Serving's not just about what you do, it's about who you are. April 27, 2021 will go down as one of the most painful, craziest, scary days of my entire life. I had more fear in my eyes on April 27, 2021 than I have in all my other years combined. You know why? Because April 27, 2021 was the day my wife gave birth to our daughter, Galilee. Yeah, and uh, I hope this goes without saying, by the way, Dominique, I did nothing that day. Like, you did all the heavy lifting. I did no work at all. Thank you so much for bringing our daughter into this world. I love you. Thank you, Dom. Yeah, give it up for her, seriously. She did an amazing job. That's our daughter, Galilee. We named her Galilee. It's an unconventional name, but trust me, she's an unconventional little girl. When we brought her home from the hospital, our lives got turned upside down. Any other parents in here like, I I can testify, yes. Because I had heard from a lot of parents, especially other dads, who had told me like, hey, when you bring the baby home from the hospital, that's when like parenthood kicks in. That's when dad mode comes in. But it wasn't like that for me. It was kind of hard to connect with Galilee at first. So if I'm gonna be honest, I got frustrated. There were times when I was like, why am I even changing this diaper? I'm gonna change it in 20 minutes anyway. Why am I trying to calm you down? You're just gonna start crying in five seconds. I got frustrated. And if I can be transparent, serving Galilee became more of an obligation than anything else. I started to have doubts run through my mind. I was like, man, am I a bad dad? Am I going to, you know, is she going to love me? What if she hates me when she grows up because I'm doing just such a terrible job? All these doubts started running through my mind. But the thing that changed everything, the moment that my mindset shifted, was about a month and a half in, I had just changed Galilee. I had gotten her ready for the day. And I was holding her. I was just staring at her for like 20 minutes. And she was looking at me, and usually, like, her eyesight wasn't that good, so she was just, like, ah, everywhere. But today, for some reason, she was, like, looking in this general area, and in that moment, I saw her eyes, like, were fixated on my face. And it was like time stood still. And right then and there, she gave me the biggest smile I've ever seen in my life. She was like, (laughs) I was like, oh, my goodness, like, that was for me. That was for me. I just started to cry. I was like weeping. And I was so happy because I finally understood who I am in this crazy relationship between me and my daughter. I was like, man, I'm a dad. That's my daughter. And I was like, duh. But for me, it was so profound and it was so heavy on my heart because serving her was no longer an obligation. It was an honor because I had known now who I truly am. I am her father. See, serving is not just about what you do, it's about who you are. You ever have someone in your life, you ever met someone who, when you hear the word servant, you automatically think of that person. Like me just talking about serving, you think of one person in particular. The person who's always serving, they're always volunteering, they're always willing to help out, whether they're asked to or not. They're always willing to lend a helping hand if they're in church or not, it's just who they are. You have that person? For me, I think of a few people. Personally, I think of someone we all know, Jonathan Ravenel, our worship pastor. A lot of you guys know Rav. Rav is always doing something for someone else. Another one is Amanda Zamora, our volunteer director. Amanda's always helping someone out. Another one is Chris Campbell on our small group team. I love Campbell. Uh, Another one is Austin Porlier, our small group director. These guys, like, don't you love those kinds of people? Like whenever you see them coming down the hallway, you know they're not gonna ask anything of you. They just want to serve you and give out of the love in their heart. So now take that and let me ask you this. 
Would anyone ever use the word servant to describe you? What are you always doing? Where are you always spending your time? What are you always saying? What are you always asking people to do for you? See, if we as the church are called to serve others, why don't we? In our cultural context, we're very used to looking out for ourselves. We have a like, you do you, I'll do me kind of mentality in our society. Like, I'll just focus on doing, I'm gonna take some time off to focus on myself. You know what I mean? But Jesus actually says that people are gonna know that we're his true disciples based on how we love one another. Thank you, Diana. And the way that we love one another is gonna show people that we're his true disciples. I wonder if when people come into this room and they see how we interact with each other this morning, would they describe us as servants or would they describe us as selfish? If your life, the last seven days, the way you treated people in the secret moments, the ones that no one else saw, the one that you weren't around with your small group and it was just broadcast for us to watch like a movie, how would people describe you? Would they describe you as a servant or would they say you're selfish? Today we're gonna be continuing our series, The Kingdom, and we're gonna be looking into the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. It's the very first book of the New Testament. It's about my life, and I wanna make sure... A lot of you guys didn't catch that, but I'm, it's okay. I'm a dad. I have a quota to hit now. So, but, but the gospel of Matthew, Matthew was a real guy. He was actually lived. He wasn't, it wasn't just a made up story. He walked and talked with Jesus and he spent years examining and studying our savior. And in chapter 12, he makes a very distinct description of Jesus. It's very interesting. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 16, it says, yet he being Jesus Yet Jesus warned them not to make him known. See, Matthew had just seen Jesus heal lame and leper and let people who were blind now see and people who couldn't walk now, now they can walk and they wanted to go tell everyone about it. But it says Jesus warned them not to make it known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, behold, my servant. Everyone say servant. My servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Matthew's referencing an Old Testament scripture, an Old Testament prophecy of Jesus. And I find it so interesting that he uses the one that describes Jesus as a servant. Hundreds of years before Jesus is even born, he's being talked about as a servant. Would anyone talk about us that way hundreds of years from now? Like, I know in, this, in, in, our, in our society, we, we like our rights. We like standing up for our independence. We like fighting for what we want and our preferences. But in order to truly become a servant of Jesus, we need to be willing to put everything that we want aside. We don't really think of ourselves as servants, and definitely we wouldn't think of ourselves as a slave. But in the book of Romans, chapter 6, we read it, and it actually says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. You become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. In this life, you will be the slave of someone or something. There's no debate about it. So the question has to be asked, who do you obey? Who do you serve? Do you serve God and what he wants or do you only look out for what you want and your rights? 
And this has been the eternal struggle of humanity of trying to figure out who to serve, choosing us or choosing God. But like I said, servants look out for their master's will. And if we're truly servants of God, truly servants of Jesus, we have to start treating him as if he's our master. Our master. When was the last time you called Jesus master? It's not very common of us in today's context to call him master. We like to use words like savior or friend or you know, father or helper or son of God, which are all correct. But sometimes I think we forget that Jesus is actually our master. I mean, we're in a series called The Kingdom. Do you ever think of Jesus as your king? You know, in America, in the American church, we've become very good at treating Jesus more like a genie to grant our wishes, not a master to be obeyed. And we, as if like he's here to serve me, not the other way around. But I would challenge that and I would say, I know this is my step on toes, but I would say that if Jesus is not truly our master, then we are not truly Christians. We have to understand that if we are truly servants of God, we have to look out for what he wants. It wasn't intended for just a few, a few select people in the church to become the servants and everyone else do what they want. But what would it look like if every single Christian was a serving Christian? Jesus showed us this when he set an example, when he did something crazy. It was like ridiculous almost what he did. In John chapter 13, he showed us this example that we're to follow. In John chapter 13, Jesus got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. Some of you guys may have heard this before. Maybe you've heard an entire sermon on it before. But I don't want us to breeze past it because we've heard it before or it's common or everyone knows about it because if we do that, I think we miss out on what Jesus is actually trying to teach us in it. So in John chapter 13, verse three, if you want to turn in there in your Bibles, it says, Jesus, everyone say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. So bookmark it right there. Jesus had all things into his hand. The Father had given Jesus all authority, all power, everything. The first thing we can learn from Jesus is that a servant submits. A servant submits. You know, Jesus' washing feet was scandalous and crazy for a couple of different reasons. Back in these biblical times, people didn't have like Rain Rovers and trucks and different kinds of stuff we have at Texas. People have monster trucks these days, dude. Like it's crazy the stuff that people are driving on the street. They didn't have that back in the day. They had to walk everywhere they wanted to get. And even more than that, we didn't, they didn't have any kind of fancy shoes or boots to keep their feet clean. They had sandals. They were exposed to the elements. So these feet were dirty and grimy and gross. That's why this kind of a, a ceremony, foot washing, was reserved only for the lowest servant of the house. See, today, we, if, if we have guests over, we'll say something like, hey, can I take your coat or can I help you to a drink? Back then it was, hey, can my servant wash your feet? It was just a polite thing to do and it was reserved for like the lowest of the lowest of the low servant and because he had, no, he had no choice in the matter. But remember, this is Jesus. The disciples know who he is. Like, the Son of God wants to wash my feet? This is the Messiah. People prophesied about this guy. The the hands that created the cosmos are about to bow down and wash dirty feet. Why? 
because a servant submits. Jesus had all the authority, but he submitted that to God the Father's authority. Because he loved his disciples so much, he was willing to submit and yield his authority to something greater than that. It was his love for his disciples. See, we hear the word submission or to submit in our context, and we think, oh, that's just weakness. That's just like, you know, you're, you're not a strong person. But submission here actually means you have strength. You just use it for God's will instead of your own. You yield it to what he wants you to do. And Jesus loved his disciples so much, he was willing to submit to the Father's authority and wash their feet. Some of you may be in here, and maybe you know that there's something in your life that you're not submitting to. Maybe you know that you're not submitting to God or I'm a student pastor, students. Maybe you're in here and you know you're not submitting to the authority of your parents in your lives. I thought I'd get a louder amen. I thought I would do something because parents, I'm, I'm trying to help you out. But you see how Jesus did this out of love? Because Jesus submitted, we submit because he first loved his disciples. And it moves into verse four. And in verse four, it says something even crazier. It says he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself, or he prepared himself. He was getting ready to do something. It says he laid aside his garments. And even more than that, he took on the towel. Jesus had on his own clothes, things that were his, but he laid them aside and put on the towel, symbolic of becoming a servant. He, took, he, he put on the title of a slave, and he understood the principle that I think, if I can be blunt, I think this one is going to be the hardest for us today to grasp and to fully understand. Because we're so used to our rights and what's ours. But Jesus laid down what was his in order to take on what the Father wanted him to do. He loved his, his, his disciples so much, he gave up what was his. He surrendered. The, the second thing we can learn from Jesus today is that a servant surrenders. You want to know the single greatest opposition to a heart of servanthood? The single greatest opponent of being a servant in our hearts today, and we, this is something that we do and we say more often than I think we should. It's one word. Mine. My. This is my right. This is my choice. This is my seat in church. You want to go even further? This is my money. This is my job. This is my house. This is my way. These are my children. This is my life. And we start to spiral more and more into what we want instead of what God wants. And it starts to make us narrow-minded. And we start to have a self-seeking, self-serving mindset. But a self-serving mindset can never be used by God. We start to question, God, how come you're not using me? How come you're not? I feel so distant from you lately, Jesus. Now, a question, are you serving him? Because sometimes what we want and choosing our rights actually blocks us from being used by him. And I, my fear is that we take it into church service. You know the reason it's called a service is because each of us is supposed to be here to serve others, not just be served. And it's really difficult to kneel down for Jesus when we're too busy standing up for our rights. But we need to understand that a servant surrenders. We don't have what's ours, it's all God's. 
And Jesus surrendered in that moment to what the Father wanted. He loved the Father so much and he loved his disciples so much that out of that love came his surrender. Is there something in your heart that you need to surrender today, whether it be responsibility or an ego or even sin? It's because we love Jesus that we're so willing to surrender to him. And it leads us to the third one. So we know that a servant submits to authority. We know that a servant surrenders. And third, what we can get that from Jesus right here is that a servant serves. Not that profound of a thought, I know. But it's so important that we get this church because in, in, in verse 5, it says, after that, everyone say, after that. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. A servant serves. I love that Jesus didn't just talk about love. He didn't just talk about serving. He actually did it. If we're truly servants of Jesus, we will serve him no matter what. See, service and 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 submitting and all these things, I think when we hear the word servant or, or even in our church culture, volunteer or something like that, we think, oh, another thing I gotta do. But we are more and we look more and more like Jesus when we serve. Service and being a servant is not something that God is asking of us. He wants that for us. See, that's something that God's calling each and every one of us to. And I think what we have done in the American church is we make the mistake of thinking that being a servant is something we can hop into when it's easy and convenient and suitable for us and then hop out of whenever it starts to get difficult. But at the heart of Christianity, please listen, at the heart of the Christian mind, the, the Christian soul, at the heart of all that Christ is, is this right here. We don't serve because our life is good. We serve because God is good. We don't serve because our circumstances are right. We serve because God is right. We have to understand that a servant serves. It was out of love that Jesus served. Maybe you've been burned or hurt by a boss that was over you that didn't treat you well or, or someone who was in charge of you that, didn't, that just hurt you. So you're not as trusting of an authority figure in your, in your life. But if I can just tell you, you can trust Jesus. He is a good master. He's a good king. He's the only one worth serving. That's why we say that serving is not just about what you do. It's about who you are. Remember what God the Father said about Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, the very first thing we read today. Remember it said, behold my servant, everyone say servant, <clears throat> whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. It says my servant and my beloved, together, they're coupled, one's not with the, without the other. Why? Because serving's not just about what you do, it's about who you are. You are beloved, you are so loved, you are cherished, you are chosen, you are chosen church. That's why at the end of our life, Jesus says to a few who have made it, who have stayed faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't say any other word, he chooses servant. And the Christian is willing to serve. 
I'm not saying to do stuff in order to earn Jesus' love. That's not how it works. But what I'm saying is out of the love we already have for him, we serve and we serve and we serve and we serve and we serve. And we might never get thanked, but we serve and we serve more. And the people who are serving might irritate us and annoy us and might not deserve our service, but we keep serving and serving and serving and serving. You might never get recognized. You might never get glory. You might never get thanked, but you keep serving and serving. And you might get tired and sick and you might die. You might kill yourself by serving but you keep doing it and serving and serving because at the end of your life, you will come before your creator face to face and he will say those words we should all be striving for. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you'll remember that you didn't serve because of what you wanted to do. You served because who God is. You washed feet, not because you did it first, but because God did it first. We love him because he first loved us. Remember, you are beloved. And out of that love should follow service. Your hands represent your service and your doing and your energy. But your hands only follow where your heart already is. Beloved, would you submit to authority? Would you submit to a small group leader? Or if you have a small group leader, maybe you haven't let them truly correct you, you've been getting defensive and you haven't let them speak into your life, would you submit to their authority? Maybe for you it's a boss who you need to actually respect and obey. Would you submit to authority? Number two, beloved, would you surrender your rights? And I know, again, this is probably the toughest for us today. Maybe for you that looks like the right to be right, the right to get the last word, the right to have bitterness in your heart. Maybe for you that looks like something that you've been holding on to that you see as yours and only yours. Maybe to you surrendering your right looks like giving away something that you know is holding you back. Maybe it's a sin in your life. But beloved, would you surrender your rights? And number three, beloved, would you serve your neighbor? For you that might look practical like signing up to volunteer. For you maybe that's giving financially to missions if you've never done that. You wanna know the fastest on-ramp to a life of servanthood? It's this question, how can I help you? How can I help? It's as simple as that sometimes. But church, we need to start washing feet. Husbands in here, you need to start washing your wife's feet. Dads in here, you need to start washing your children's feet. Small group member, you need to start washing your leader's feet. Church goer, it's time to get off the bench and start washing each other's feet. Would you stand with me? Remember, serving's not just about what you do, it's about who you are. But the truth is that some of you are in here and you want to serve God, but you can't yet because you've never even known God. You've never surrendered your life to him before. If I can tell you, Jesus is the absolute picture of what it looks like to have what you want, to have what you need, but then to surrender it for the good of someone else. See, Jesus was in heaven. He had everything he needed, luxury and worship, and angels were just glorifying him. He had that. But 2,000 years ago, he saw that you and I were on a road to destruction, and he came down, he humbled himself and served his father by coming down in the form of a man. 
Church, Jesus is never willing, never gonna ask you to do something he's not willing to first do himself. You know, it's weird, the Christian call, the call that Jesus makes on our life. I wish it was as easy as come to God because he's gonna make your life easy. Come to God and he's gonna give you everything you want. Come to God because he's gonna do this and do that for you. The Christian call is actually, hey, come to Jesus to die. Come to Jesus to be crucified. Isn't that weird? But it's because it's out of love for our Savior, the love for our King, the love for our Master, that we are willing to lay down everything for us because He laid down everything for us. We're, we're willing to lay down everything for Him. But maybe you're in here and you know you haven't laid down everything for Him. Would you stop serving yourself? Would you stop listening to your sin and obeying only what you want? It's on the road to destruction that you're on. But Jesus is calling some of you today to surrender your life. And I love that word surrender because it reminds me of like a battle or a fight or a war. Like I surrender, I'm not gonna fight against you anymore. That's what God is calling you to do, some, some of you today. To say, I surrender now. In just a moment, I'm gonna to count to three. And if you're in here and you know that you've never surrendered your heart to God, you've never surrendered to him and say, God, I wanna live for you. But you know that he is good because when Jesus was crucified and nailed to the tree, he died. He took on the physical pain that you and I were supposed to have. But even more than that, he took on the, 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 the spiritual pain, the wrath of God, the spiritual death that you and I both deserve on him so that you and I can have eternal life with him. So would you stop fighting against God and surrender? If that's you, if I'm speaking to you and you know you wanna give your life to God, I'm gonna to count to three. Would you symbolically lift both hands and tell him, God, I wanna live for you. Jesus, I wanna stop fighting against you. If that's you, please stop waiting. Now's the time in one, two, Three, would you lift your hands? Thank you, Jesus. Would you lift your hands? Thank you, God. Would you lift your hands if you wanna surrender? Thank you, Jesus, thank you. Keep your hands lifted. Church, if you see anyone near you, please, let's reach out our hands to them, those who are lifting their hand. Let's reach out, let's reach out their hands to them. And if you're lifting your hands, we're gonna have small group leaders come surround you and pray for you, but let's pray for them, church. Let's wash their feet. Jesus, thank you so much that these people are surrendering their hearts to you. They're surrendering their lives to you, God. Their rights, their lives, their everything, God. Nothing's off limits anymore. Nothing's out of bounds anymore. Nothing theirs is anymore. But Jesus, I ask that they would stay committed and know that you are good, that they are beloved and chosen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, amen, amen. Let's give it up for these people. Come on, these are people that are surrendering their lives. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. If you lifted your hands, would you please connect with small group leaders? We wanna to get to know you and pray for you. But if you didn't lift your hands, I'm assuming you and Jesus are okay. I'm just gonna make that assumption. But, Maybe you're here and you know that you've submitted your heart to God, sure, but you haven't surrendered your hands to God for what he wants you to do. Remember, your hands follow where your heart already is. So what I wanna do 
is I wanna give us just a, an opportunity for a few minutes to just be in the presence of God and ask him, God, am I doing what you truly want me to do? Or is my heart so full of myself that there's no room for you to actually do something in my life? Remember, service is not something God's asking from you. It's something he wants you to do. It's something he wants for you. So let's take a few minutes and be open. Say, God, if I'm not doing something you want me to do, make me willing. Help me. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that we can serve you. Thank you, God, that you loved us enough to serve us first. Put into our hearts, Holy Spirit, if you want us to do more for you, if you want us to start washing feet.